This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oh, yeah. And it is going to be covered by the Saints for a touchdown. Each your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good. We'll take you to places most fans never go. Will Lutz from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown. Taysom Hill. Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby. Hello, Houdads. Welcome into Inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak. And we are riding high off another preseason victory. 2-0 after a Saints 22-17 victory over the Chargers in L.A. Where Jeff was enduring all kinds of natural disasters to bring us the latest and greatest from the sidelines. So many. So many natural disasters. We We had a once every 84 year tropical storm. We had an earthquake, which just kind of came out of nowhere and like the the alert for the earthquake is kind of comical when you get it because it's like get down cover your head like what are you talking about you told us to come to a football game (laughs) now now i'm supposed to duck and cover what are you talking about but yeah that that was a that was a weird trip four days out well three days out in costa mesa and then we had to change hotels and go because it's about an hour drive from costa mesa to la just to play a preseason game in a tropical storm which I will say we can make a big deal about them playing that game. I mean, it was it was just some rain. It was it was really nothing uh, significant in the sense of like there's no reason not to have played that game. Anyway, that, that's yeah, that's it, that. it seemed that's exactly what the <laughs> NFL found out. They had those two conference calls with both teams. I know before things got underway, and obviously the, you can't predict the 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 earthquake. You know, registering it just seemed to be an awful, awful sign of things, you know, that, that were to come in that stadium. Yeah, it was just, it, yeah, it was just one of those weeks, uh, but we got through it. Yeah. So we're going to get into the news and notes in this first segment. Then we're going to do the three up, three down in the second and third segments. Well, I wanted to do this last night, but it just became so hectic. It's like a mile and a half walk anywhere you want to go in SoFi. Terrible stadium, by the way. Terrible, terrible stadium. It is a $5 billion joke of a stadium, in my that's opinion. That's terrible to hear, right? I mean, that's awful. <laughs> the visitor's locker room. So there are two home locker rooms in this stadium, but the visitors don't get to use either of them. 
because there is a Chargers locker room and there is a Rams locker room. But then there is a visitors locker room, which looks like it would be suited for a high school hockey team. Like the locker rooms at the Superdome pre-renovation, they're going to be a lot nicer post-renovation are, you know, among the less nice locker rooms I've experienced at an NFL stadium. These locker rooms, they were just like metal lockers with mesh. Like my high school gym had this type of locker room. It, it, I, I mean, anyway, it was it was a whole thing. It was a whole. Not, not something you expect from a five billion dollar stadium, right? Uh, and it's like I don't know if they're trying to like mess with the opposing team. Like maybe that's Ooh, it. They wanted right. to be uncomfortable, but gosh, I felt bad being in there because there was nowhere for me to stand where someone wasn't always like trying to get through me to go somewhere. Like I, I, I mean, it's like a high school lacrosse team and then the saints. And then, I don't know. It was a, it was a whole thing, but we got through it. Did you get to see at least at all the, the home locker rooms to check them out or no, I did not No, I, I, I mean, I, when I tell you that I walked seven miles yesterday, <laughs> I am not kidding. I genuinely, and I didn't even have my watch on until I left the hotel from the hotel to the stadium and then back to the hotel, right? I walked seven miles during that time, which includes the field. And I'm, I'm the type of person when I'm on the sideline that I'm pacing. Like I am rarely staying in the same spot for more than like five minutes. I just, I don't know. Like, I I don't like it. I just like to pace up and down the field, go from end zone to end zone. (laughs) So that's part of that. But you know, when we got off the bus, cause like to in the stadium and it was, I mean, I swear I, it was a mile walk from where we were to the media workroom, which is where I had to get my armband. And then a mile walk back to the elevator to get up to the press box. And here's something funny. So I kept asking people who worked in the stadium, uh, Oh, do you know where this is? And they would all look at me like, oh, I don't know. And I was like, wait, you work here. How do you not know where the press box is? Like, I'm flabbergasted by this. At, at one point, I walked upstairs because I found the press box on my own. <laughs> and and that, But that's not where the radio broadcast was for some oh, reason. Oh. Like, there's a press box, and then there's the radio somewhere else. And so I walked up to a group of eight people who all worked there. They were standing in a circle right outside the press box talking. And I just asked the group, does anybody know whether the press box is this way or that way? Just point me in the right direction so I'm not walking all the way around the stadium for something that's 100 feet to my right. None of them could give me an answer. (laughs) (laughs) They were all, they all looked at each other and go, no, we've finally been tested. And they're like, can you wait for so-and-so to come back? Because he knows. And I was like, uh, I mean, at this point, I'm like, I'm committed. So I'd like to just walk away. But I kind of accepted this. And then the guy came back. And so what I learned from him is that all of the workers called out because of the storm. So like so many people who were working in the building that day, it was their first time ever working in that building because they were all seasonal and called in because they were bold enough to go out in the rain. Uh, And so that's why no one knew what they were doing. So it was just this, oh my God, it was a disaster. (laughs) But we got through it uh, and they played a football game and it was uh, none of the starters played. Um, it was it was ugly from start to finish. But uh, yeah, there was another kind of this almost like a PR disaster. You could say with the whole Jimmy Graham incident. I wouldn't say PR disaster. You know, it, seemed it like that at first, at least, I guess. 
Yeah, it was a very confusing situation. Yeah, and so we can get to that. That is one of the big note, notes that I do want to talk about, uh, independent of the game. So, yeah, Friday night evening, rather. And and so that's a big part of this. When it, the news first came out, I assumed it was a middle-of-the-night thing. Jimmy Graham was seen kind of wandering in the streets. Cops got called. He got taken into custody. They said he kind of resisted arrest. To me, I think what you're seeing there is – if, if you're t- look, talking about somebody who's 6'7", 260, unless he's saying, please come arrest me, you're not going to be able to arrest that guy, right? So even if he was just even like questioning, he's like, why are you arresting me? Like, if, if you're struggling at all, they're going to have a hard time anyway. So I, I think that was part of it. He was very confused and disoriented. And so it was difficult for them to take him into custody because he didn't want to be taken into custody. <laughs> Beyond that, you know, you assume like, oh, maybe he was out late drinking, whatever. This occurred about 8 o'clock. Like it wasn't even dark out. They practiced until about one p.m., give or take. Like by the time they get off the field, then they had team meetings. They don't really wrap up until like six. So like the idea that he was like on something or whatever. I mean, if if he was, he got to work real quick after <laughs> team meetings <laughs> to to get from six p.m. You're in team meetings to to a delirious state of, you know, drug-induced, whatever. I don't think that's what happened. So you look at it like, okay, this was a medical thing. And to me, that's not a PR disaster. That's scary. Like, that's a scary situation. And the team doctor co-signed that it was a likely seizure. And John Amos is not putting his career on the line to protect Jimmy Graham, right? Like, he he's that's his genuine diagnosis. So, you know, we talked to DA about it after the game. And uh, here's, here's what he had to say. Uh, yeah, look, Jimmy's with us. You know, he's, he's, uh, he's healthy. He'll have some more uh, testing to, to go on. Um, but, you know, look, he's a little shook up. But yet, uh, overall, you know, he's doing okay. Like, at this point, it's like you're not, you know, with the initial news breaks and a guy gets arrested at joint practices. And I think everyone's mind goes to like, oh, well, when Alvin got arrested, blah, blah, blah. It was this major criminal thing. And you had well, the suspension. suspension of a narcotic. That was the whole thing. Yeah. Was like, oh, right. And I think a lot of it was just based on confusion because he was disoriented. And what well, you're just going to you're not going to assume something crazy medical like that. But I mean, I think that's where you're at. And so the question now is not so much of like, you know, is he going to get suspended or whatever is or discipline? The question is, can he play? Like, can he continue to play football? Or are there issues that like it becomes a dangerous situation? He's also a pilot, right? right. So if, if you're Jimmy Graham, now you're concerned like, well, what if they take my pilot's license away? You cannot allow someone to fly planes if they are prone to seizures. So, you know, for him, it's like, it's a scary situation. So you hope for the best. And yeah, I think, you know, it's just one of like it, the news comes out and you don't know how to react and you're kind of like, oh, well, they're just covering for him. Right. I really don't think that's what's happening. I think this is a, a serious situation. He's back with the team. He watched the game from the locker room on Sunday. So he was able to be around the team, which is good. And so you just hope for the best. You know, it's it's an unfortunate situation. But, you know, I think they handled it as well as they could. Yeah, it just adds to the madness that went on out west while you guys mm-hmm. were out there. But I guess surprisingly, there wasn't really much, I guess you'd say, dust-ups, fights, or anything going on during those joint practices. It seems like everybody behaved great. Yeah, Derek Carr said it was like the cleanest set of joint practices he's ever had. And that's the funny thing is it actually, like, the trip kind of got wild toward the end with the storm and with 
flights getting canceled and all this. The entire, pretty much the entire media contingent, the Saints media contingent was on the same flight back this morning. Just kind of funny. Everyone just running into each other at the airport because it was a direct flight from LAX to New Orleans. Uh, I'm, sure, at eight. I'm sure everybody could not wait to get home from this freaking yes, trip. Yes, <laughs> it was. It's a, you know, it's only four and a half days, give or take, but it's like, you know, it's a long trip uh, for for something like this, you know. And the, the funny thing is, like, the practices themselves went off without a hitch. It was perfect. You know, like, they got in, they got out. There was no issues. There was no fights. There was no re- injuries, really. I mean, I, I don't recall a single real injury other than Marshawn, which seems to be minor. You know, he left early with the with a knee issue. It was wrapped up, but it didn't seem significant. He was out there yesterday. Um, or he was out there on the during the game. He and every other starter basically other than Trevor Penning and, you know, Adebo and Taylor and a few others, you know, so I don't, I, I don't read anything into that other than, you know, it's, it, I understand any seeing that big rap though makes people concerned. Obviously as a fan, you're like, Oh, Marshawn, please be all right. Yeah. Anytime you talk about knee stuff, you get a little worried, but <clears throat> I, I, I mean, I, I don't have, think there's any reason to get super concerned about it, you know, and, and that kind of leads into the other thing. It's funny because the joint practices went so well out in LA until you know the Jimmy Graham thing and the, and the storm and all that, but this week's joint practices, the joint practices with the Texans, have been canceled. D'Amico Ryan's called Dennis Allen on Sunday and said, "Hey, half our team got hurt this week. We don't have enough players. It's not going to be productive. Let's just call it off." And so they're not having them, and they're going to adjust their practice schedules to fit. They're still going to play on Sunday, obviously. I personally am happy about it because that means, like, in order for them to have joint practices, they would have had to had outdoor practices. And I was not <laughs> looking forward to those um, because you, oh, need you quickly wheels. got spoiled out in that Calif- Costa Mesa weather. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. I sure did. Um, I'm sweating right now. I'm inside. Uh, I mean, but like the thing is, with, to have joint practices, you have to do it with two fields. You can't really do it with one field. How? How? I mean, how do you do that, right? You would have to cut it in half, maybe, it, like it, uh, or, or like just do like offense, defense, and then and then flip. Which like that would take a long time, and you would get half the reps. It would just be unproductive. So one, at least one of those practices is going to have to be outside. And it's like one of the reasons you go to Costa Mesa to have a practice <laughs> is because you can go outside and be comfortable, right? Yeah. The Chargers were saying that was one of their hotter practices. It was 80 degrees with zero humidity. Like, it made, it never made any sense to me why Houston, the Texans, would be like, yeah, 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 let's go to New Orleans in August. Where it's 111. Yeah, it's hotter than it is here. That'll be fun. No, so they're not doing that. Um, you know, and I think that's for the best. You know, I think it's a... I would rather see the starters play in that preseason game personally. I think you got the practices this week. You got a ton of those reps. I don't need another week of those reps. I would like to see some game action for those guys, at least at least the first team offensive line. But we'll we'll see. I I I think that's the next question is without those team practices, without those joint practices, do what you were initially planning in terms of reps for that final preseason game because I think you you are going to want to get some of these guys um, a bit of that work. Yeah, I definitely agree with the offensive line. That seems to be um, still still an issue going going forward, and it was definitely the biggest concern. I feel like going into the season is just how they're going to hold up, and also, you know, you, your reserves, which you know you're going to have to lean on at some point. Who can you rely on, kind of deal. I don't I don't know if we see Derek Carr again, though. You know, uh, even though he's still new to the New Orleans franchise, and you know, he had one great series. 
do do they really feel like they need to see another you know game situation for him or or believe what they've got already and kind of just let it roll in week one? I wouldn't hate it. I really wouldn't because like you don't. I mean, if you had a fourth preseason game, would you not play Derek Carr in this one? Right. I think you would. And it's like the only reason it doesn't feel like you should is because it's the last preseason game, but you have an entire week between, you know, off, right? So I don't know. I I think you should be trying to get him at least a series. It's not asking that much. And I think he would like to get out there too. Again, the only question is, do you want to play Ramchek? Do you want to play McCoy? Do you want to play those guys? Because if you don't, then no, you don't play Derek Carr. If you are willing to get that whole first team group out there and not just Trevor Penning, who needs all the work he can get? Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah, I'm sure Derek would be like, well, <laughs> who's going to be up front when you want to put me out there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we'll, we'll get into more of the game in the in the second segment here. But one thing that came out this morning, Peter King reported that, uh, you know, there, there could be some interest from Sean Payton and Blake Groupie, the, the kicker. Um, I think that Will Lutz is, is going to take that job and, and, not give it back right like uh, so i would be surprised if they have any way of keeping blake around i think he has looked very good um and i think sean payton trusts the Saints special team staff possibly more than he trusts his current special team staff in terms of finding and developing players so i i think there is some definitely some some meat to that that rumor and it's just like what's the What's the, what? What could you actually get out of it, right? Like that's the what is it really worth to not because they're going to cut him, right? It's not like they're going to keep two kickers on the roster, right? So when you're talking about value in that trade, I mean, what exactly is worth giving up so that you don't have to fight on waivers? Because <laughs> that's really all you'd be trading for. No, yeah, and I, I do think there there could be some other squads interested in a, in a kicker, just seeing. Poor Kate York from Cleveland the other day. I don't know if he caught that game at all against with Philadelphia. He missed the kick, flag, gets to re-kick it, blah, missed it again. And it's like, I know he's been having a tough time uh, uh, this training camp, even with the Browns. So uh, kicker is a tough position. And yeah, so Groupie could get definitely some some looks from other teams besides Denver. But I guess that, that situation there seems pretty prime and you might want to go to, uh, to that sweet Denver air to kick in. <laughs> yeah, no, right, right. If I'm a kicker, I would not mind. Like, one of the reasons I think Cade York is struggling is because he has to kick in friggin' Cleveland. Right. I mean, like, that's just, no one wants to do that, right? But yeah, I would love to kick in Denver, right? Suddenly you're hitting 70 yarders with no problem. You know, it's like, that's that's a dream. That's why I draft Brandon McManus in fantasy every year. I guess they used to when he was their kicker. Right. He wasn't even good. Like, I didn't even consider him to be a good kicker, but I would always take him because, you know, 50 yarders, if you make him, you get five. If you miss him, you don't lose anything, at least in the leagues I've been in. No, just definitely one of those positions, too, that are, I feel like are not secured throughout the league. It's not like, oh, yeah, this guy's got their kicker. Even, you know, you, you as good as Lutz has been, th- there's good issue, though, why, why some concern and, you know, that need to push him was brought in with a guy like Krupe, but you know, at that fifty-one yarder was pretty sweet and one of the the better highlights from a, a kind of boring game. Yeah, there's nothing I've seen this offseason that gives me concern over over Will's ability. 
Um, there was nothing last year either, which is honestly concerning in and of itself, right? He so was coming back from that what that core injury, yeah. And he even said he he said himself that he was like a deer in the headlights at times, and it's like, yeah, okay, I can see, I can believe that, and and he feels like he's in a better headspace this year, so For I'm sure. not worried about it. But all right, let's move on. Let's, let's close out this segment. We're gonna come back and we're gonna do three up or however many we decide to be up on. Uh, I have my list. I'm sure Steve is going to chime in with some of his own players. So we're going to do that. And then we're going to have our final segment. Three down, three down, three down, three down, three down. This is inside black and gold. We are coming at you after the preseason week to a full 24 hours after because it was a hectic, hectic nightmare with shaking and rain. Um, and Steve was on until midnight last Louisiana. night. Yeah. And Steve is hosting a show until midnight last night, so he's tired. I can tell. I can see it in his eyes. Um, but all right. Keep it locked on Inside Black and Gold. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back on Inside Black and Gold. We are finally going to start talking about the game, the game, the game. The Saints 22, Chargers 17. The Saints, I would argue, dominated that game, but still almost lost it. The result doesn't matter, but I'm sure the film is not going to be kind to a good number of those players, particularly any of those uh, that drew the flags, which they were not not thrilled about. Yeah, (laughs) but... We're going to start talking about the players who did do well because, you know, that's more fun. So my my the first on my list, my three up, and then I have three honorable mentions because I can't just name three. It's going to be Jalen Smith. I got a chance to talk to him after the game. And I just get the sense that he's just excited to be here. You know, when you're a guy who was on a roster, you're a high draft pick, you expected to be a top five pick, and you end up getting hurt and going the seventh, second round to the Cowboys. You spent your first four or five seasons there. This is a guy who had 295 tackles in two seasons. <laughs> like in, in 2019, he had 145 tackles, I believe. And in 2020, he had 152 tackles. So that's 297, I think, if the math is if the math is correct. That's insane. And then they, they just moved on, right? And so he, he ended up spending time with the Packers. He was with the Giants last season. He was, he was a key piece of their playoff run. He led the team in tackles in those two playoff games, although that second one, I don't know if you'd call that much of a game. They, they were just completely just run off the tracks. But, you know, I, I thought he moved really well. I thought he, you know, he's a guy you know can come downhill and lay the wood on some people. You know, my biggest question was, can he get 
into position to make plays? Can he can he move well enough? I still don't know. If, I, I don't want to. I don't want to isolate him in coverage. Like I want to avoid having him be a primary in coverage as much as I can. But I do, after seeing him yesterday, I do feel a lot more comfortable about what he can do um, in that role if he has to start or if he has to play a significant one early in the season. Definitely excited what he brings to the team on the field and love hearing, you know, him in post game or in any kind of media availability, you can tell he's got a, you know, big brain for the game. Yeah. Uh, the football IQ is high. And I feel like he knows his, who he is and his role at this point too, kind of thing. And he's very positive. Yeah. You get that kind of, you can, you can sense it. Right. I think he's a good guy to have in that room. You know, he's, a, he's he knows what he's doing, right? Like, you know, you, you, you like Demario as a leader and he's as yeah. good as they come but I don't think you ever can have too many positive influences on young players. And he's just another guy who has done it. Right. You know, like, <laughs> you know what? I, one of the things I bring up about the tackle numbers is like gaudy tackle numbers aren't all built the same, right? Like if you're getting targeting coverage or like if you're a defensive back and you have 10 tackles, it means that they're attacking you. Right. It's it, it, and they're making the catch and then you're getting the tackle. So it doesn't necessarily it isn't necessarily a good thing. And in this case, you know, maybe there is some of that going on where it's like, yeah, he's making the tackle seven yards downfield. And it's like, yeah, great. That's another one in that column. But it wasn't a good play. So I, so I, I, I think that you, you can get over like Eric Wilson had a 100 tackle season. If you remember Eric Wilson, he got cut. Right. So like it's it's one of those things. But I. I I think if you brought in Jalen as kind of Demario Davis insurance, if you have to be without him week one or beyond, right? I think that you feel okay with it. You saw that. I mean, it was just a preseason game, obviously, but that it looked pretty seamless for him, kind of fit yeah. in right away. And yeah, just looked like he belonged out there and obviously making plays immediately. And like I said, just love the demeanor and everything about this guy really pulling for him and, uh, I think it provides at least great depth at the position, uh, which is definitely needed. There's still questions about Zach Ball, and I'm, I, I'm sorry. There, you know, uh, in coverage, I might trust Jalen Smith already more than I would Zach Ball. Yeah, I think they're both liabilities in coverage. But that's, you know, like linebackers in a lot of cases will be, right? Like it's rare to find a linebacker who can, you know, play the run very well and also run with receivers very well. You know, it's the, those are the top end linebackers, right? Like there's a reason those guys are, are high draft picks. Um, so we'll, we'll see, but for now I, I'm feeling okay with it. Let's move on to another guy who I, I didn't even think he was going to play, but not only did he play, he had, he, he led the team in touches and he had a touchdown, which is rookie running right. back. <laughs> Andre Miller out there in a knee brace. You know, I, I did not think for the world that he was going to be out there playing, but I mean, he played the entire first half. He got a huge workload. He had 10 carries. And, you know, he didn't the, – the rushing yard total, I think he ran for 23 yards on 10 carries, but 2.3 yards per carry at math is pretty easy. It's obviously nothing exciting. But keep in mind, if I have a big concern about any position group, it is the backup offensive line because they have struggled mightily. They have struggled so much. And so I am not super concerned about him not being able to get much going behind them. I, but I'm excited that he was able to get through that game and not have any issues. We talked to him after the game. He was excited. He got to hang out with Max Duggan and Quentin Johnson, his former TCU guys. They're both on the Chargers now. 
and I mean that catch down the sideline from Jameis. Oh, I mean, pretty. that's not a that's not a running back catch, right? Like that's like a lot of times you see running backs catch the ball and they're like fighting it, right? They're they're just trying to survive it. Like he goes and gets it, and we've seen that in practice. Uh, you know, we've talked to him about it. He only caught 16 catches at TCU last year. He only caught 16 balls at TCU his senior season or his last season there, whatever year. It might have been junior. I don't know. And he's been consistent in saying, like, I can catch. Me not catching passes at TCU was more about TCU than it was about me. And, you know, I believe him. I I think he's telling the truth. I gave a big shout-out, too, to Jameis on that play. What a throw. Wasn't that it was throw? so perfect. It was beautiful. It was that was one of the highlights. Definitely the top one of the top plays of that game. Uh, but overall, for for Miller too, uh, a big deal was Kenny survive. You know, holding up in pass protection, and I think we we got a little bit of an answer with that in this game too, where uh, we saw him contributing on on every every level, uh, rushing, receiving, and even doing the pass blocking. And that will definitely get you more snaps on the field. Yeah, that that's I, I say this a lot. Like you know, you can be great as a rookie if you can't be trusted in pass protection and blitz pickup. You're not getting on the field, and so I think he still has work to do. But that's a good start. Um, we were able to catch up with with Kendra after the game, and so here is that interview. Yeah, and uh, you know they threw me in uh, day one of training camp and was like, you know, we're gonna need you to step up and come in. So uh, you know those reps definitely are showing up now. Uh, just all the time I put in and getting in the playbook and catching up on everything. Look, I know you didn't catch a ton of passes in college, but you look like a natural pass catcher when you're out there. Would you? I mean, it feels natural to you, I'm guessing, right? Yeah, yeah, most definitely. It was just you know coming out of college, they look for you know anything to devalue you, and so uh, I. Didn't catch that many passes in college so you know that was an easy one so uh you know i'm just getting to show what i've been doing my whole life and you know it's just pretty fun and show it on the biggest showcase how good did it feel just to get back out there after another i know it was a minor knee injury but i'm sure just mentally going through that again wanting to get back out there yeah yeah i, I kind of like tried to look over it because you know it was just a minor setback and, uh, you know, I didn't try to get too hard on myself and be like, you got to come do this. I kind of just came lax and was like, you know, we done been through this before. Uh, it's not serious this time. Just work my way back in practice. And that's what they did. And just come out and do it on Sunday. Was it challenging for you mentally, though, getting back on the field so quickly? Uh, not really. You know, the first day I was just like, you know, dang. But um, I kind of just slept on it, woke up, and I was like, you know, got to go grind. Did you know it was minor right away, or was there ever like a moment of like, oh, damn, here we go again? When it first happened, you know, I it, it was a little bit, but it was nothing like the first time it happened, so I knew it wasn't, you know, as bad. But 20 minutes later, I felt fine. Like, I was like, I can go back out there. And they was like, nah, like, you're done for the game. But, you know, I, I knew it was minor. Have you played with a knee brace before? Is that something you kind of get used to? <laughs> I definitely got to get used to it. I've never played with a knee brace, but, uh, you know, after so long, you kind of forget it's on. But, uh, it's cool, though. What's been, what's been the process of just learning the blitz pickup? And it seems like that's come, like, really, really fast. I know some of your coaches were saying, like, might be the, the longer curve, but it seems to be pretty pretty natural for you already. Yeah, uh, really, that comes with reps because uh, it, it was a while that it took me to, like, when we first got to camp and starting out to just understand everything. But, you know, I'm starting to feel way more comfortable doing it now. That's like three weeks, so that ain't really that long. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> They've been giving me uh, plenty of reps in practice, so I've been trying to, you know, get that fast track and just pick up on everything. Is that something you've been, like, studying a lot, or is it just going out there and wrapping it and picking it up? Uh, So I'm, like, more of a 
uh, like a rep type of learner. So like going out there doing reps at practice every day, I just kind of starting to pick it up fast. What's the biggest thing? Reaction thing or is it reading thing? Like, like your I say for me, it's like more of a reaction. I kind of look at it as playing running back. Like we got to react off different things. And, you know, if I see this dude pop off, I know I got to get my eyes across and just, you know, pick up the blitz. So it's kind of a reaction thing. Hey, can you describe that, that catch today? And just like, like what happened on the play? Yeah, so I kind of I kind of slowed up because I didn't know if Jameis was throwing it, and then the ball kind of got lost in the lights. But uh, once I seen the ball like appear, and I was like, "Oh man, it's coming to me!" I was like, "I gotta I gotta stretch out and get this," and so I, I stretch out and grab. I think Kendra is just a fun player to watch. He's just getting better and better every week. Um, so yeah, stock up in my opinion. I was gonna say, it's like, what do you think, like fantasy wise? Would he be like late round consideration, like a flyer on for this season? Uh, it's really tough to, I mean, with Jamal in the building, I don't know how you would Ross in a dynasty league. 100%. I want Kendra, right? right I hear you in two years. He could be a, a top running back in terms of fantasy this year. You know, yeah, maybe weeks one through three, assuming he's the guy behind Jamal, it might be right. worth rostering him. So maybe you do draft him in late and, and see what happens. But I, I think, you know, if people get hurt, who knows? But if if everyone's healthy week four and beyond, it's really tough for me to project much for him. No, I definitely have to. I would agree. With At least from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, the dynasty league, like you said, for sure. I want him, you know, that kind of back on my roster for the future. But for this season, I'm not just sure on exactly how much we'll see him contribute. I agree. And moving on to the my last stock up player, uh, Peyton Turner. You know, he's a guy who sure. been watching closely, been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, and we've seen flashes. We just haven't seen them consistently enough, right? Like, he's had a couple nice games. He's had a couple nice moments, but then you'll go months without talking about him or at least anything beyond where is he? Is he out there? I haven't <laughs> said his name in a week, but, you know, he had a really nice play in this game, you know, and he's very explosive off the line, and when he wins, he gets there fast. And that's what happened. Easton Stick was making everybody miss, right? Like he was, he was running around. He's fast. He's mobile. And Peyton got upfield in a, in a flash, knocked the ball out. Brian Brzee came back and got that fumble recovery. That was right before the drive with Kendra Miller catching the pass and then running in the touchdown. So that play led directly to seven points. And it's the type of play that I'm pretty sure did not happen once last year. Like I don't recall any type of pass rush turnover forced like that and you know it's just good to see and you know i think that's a confidence building moment for him i think that he has a chance to have a really big year no that that made me smile just because i was thinking too that whole situation how it was set up uh turner comes in knocking the ball loose brazil jumps on top of it and i think it was like boom bing bang boom three plays later you're in the end zone it's like yeah points off of turnovers that's how you do it yeah. and yeah something we did not see at all man it was it was rough because whatever you want to say, the ball didn't bounce their way. Things just didn't happen last season in that in that category. And we've seen that now for two straight weeks, at least in the preseason. So we're hopeful that's contagious. <laughs> that part is contagious, at least. Yeah, football just seems so much easier when you force turnovers, right? Like, we're going to talk about the penalties, but they, yeah. they, <laughs> so many penalties. And they so still many. managed to win because of those turnovers, right? Like, you could do a lot of things wrong. And turnover, and and if you get the turnovers, you know it, things will t- still tend to break your way. Yeah, you know, it, it really is. Yeah, 
like playmaking on defense is is vital. And uh, so, yeah, it's good to see. You know, it, I, I maybe it's a mirage, but I don't think so. I think like tendencies exist and the ability to do that. So, yeah, I'm I'm excited about that for sure. That's what I'm definitely hoping for, too. Like you said, it's like that habit that, you know, we can get these takeaways. We've been working on them, and we've seen that happening. Definitely for this season, need that to translate to the regular season because uh, it was being at the bottom in that category. I don't think this team's typically been in those, you know, in that kind of situation. And for it to be just that low last year was just really abysmal. I agree. Um, okay, moving on. We got a few honorable mentions. I do want to mention them. Uh, Shaq Davis led the team in receiving. Yeah, thought he had a solid day. Shaq. Yeah, I, I don't – you know, that that his long catch probably should have never happened because only Jameis would have thrown that ball. <laughs> like, uh, I, I, you know, like <laughs> – what I will give Shaq credit for on that is he, you know, late hands. He did not give the game away. But, like, the only reason that defender has no idea the ball is coming is because he had it covered. There's no reason he would expect the ball. And then all of a sudden it's there, right? So, like, I'm not, you know, like, that That wasn't even my, the more impressive catch to me from Shaq. It was the one where he went up from Jake Hayner and caught it, high-pointed it. I don't even know if that was, like, the best route I've ever seen in the world. But he, he battled for it, and that's what I want to see from him. He'll get better as a route runner. But I think that contested catch part of his game is just something you got to have. I agree totally. It's like you got either yeah. got it, you don't, and he's got it, and I want to see more of it. So my arrow is definitely yeah. big up on Shaq. And you got to be yeah. awesome when your name's Shaq, I feel like. Or at least you got to be big. Dude. You yeah. got to be big. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so a couple others. John Trey Kirkland, three catches, 59 yards. He also had a carry for eight yards. I think he's intriguing, right? Like he's a guy who just does a lot of things. I think he's a practice squad guy. He can return kicks. I mean, he had a, he had a solid game. Yeah, he, he was on the receiving end of that uh, – that extended play from Jake Hayner. I think his first throw of the game and kind of the play broke down. I think it was designed to go to Ellis Merriweather and he kind of just rolled out and rolled out and rolled out and then found John Trey. And, you know, it's always, I've always found like, like when you can be that guy who can create off schedule from a receiver and a quarterback perspective, I think that's usually a good sign of chemistry because, you know, you have to, you understand where you, the quarterback wants you to be and you get there and he, he delivers it. And it was like a 55 yard catch and run. So that was good for him. It's just nice to see him make an impact, right? I mean, you know, he's only been around for about a week and a half. You know, right. it, he's uh, he's making his presence known. That's what I was going to say, too. Yeah, ha- has been the guy that hasn't been around this team much and already someone we've seen making plays. And, yeah, seems to be someone you could use in a different variety of spots, an interesting uh, chess piece for the offense maybe that could be, yeah, practice squad with the uh, with an ability even to, you know, help out on special teams. Yep. Crazy athletic can do a whole lot of things. And uh, I like it. A couple others. Lonnie Johnson, I thought had a solid game. He did come off with a shoulder injury. It looked like, but he was back on the field. He caught the interception at the end. He also had a really nice special teams play. I think he's going to end up being a gunner on this team. Uh, There was Lou Headley punted it and he fielded it. He fielded it. Like you'll see guys go down and down the ball, right? Like they're diving and trying to get at the one. He at, was standing at the five-yard line and caught it as if he was the punt returner. You know, that's impressive. But from both the kicker and the and the guy, right? Like, <laughs> you, you don't see that very often. Because, uh, like, it's it's hard to even get down there in time. He got down there in time to set and catch it. Like, it was, it was returning. Anyway, uh, I thought he had a solid day. Yeah, and for whatever reason, the name Lonnie, I, I find a great affinity, affinity towards it. It's fun to say, and I'm just rooting for him. 
for for any particular reason. I don't know why. Just Lonnie. It like just it? rolls just nicely. I like it. Lonnie. Is it short for something? I'd have. I don't know. I should look that up. I'm praising the guy. Let's see. I'm gonna, I'm gonna Google Lonnie Johnson. See if he. It's Lonnie Johnson Jr. too. So yes, there's a theme so here. He, he is a he is young Lonnie. No, I don't see anything. Let's see. Is Lonnie <laughs> short short for something? Okay. Name Lonnie is primarily a gender neutral name of American origin. That means noble, ready. It is a nickname typically for the name Alonzo or Lawrence. So that would okay. make sense, Alonzo. Right. Yeah. Well, the, the Lonnie just flows. Another guy that was flowing, I would say, you got to, with the, uh, at least put honorable, uh, honorable mention for stock up. Uh, how about Nico Lalos? Yeah. Man? <laughs> yeah. The Cajun Cannon Bobby Abair called him a Lawrence Taylor like performance. Might have been the greatest preseason action he's ever seen. I was like, oh my goodness, Bobby, equating Nico Lalos to Lawrence Taylor. Nico Taylor. No, <laughs> dominant. Dominant. Three sacks, a pass defense. His three sacks, he had 28 yards on those sacks, right? He they, they, they averaged eight yards lost. And we talked about it. You know, Easton Stick was running everybody around. He was able to get there and make those plays. One of them was a fourth down stop. Another one was uh, the, th- the the third down stop that I assumed was going to end the game until Anthony Johnson decided to just wait and, and hope the ball would fall into his hands like a punt. Uh, and then that ended up being a long, like a 36-yard catch to extend that game. But Nico was, was the one who made the play to turn it into third and 23 or, whatever, or fourth and 23, whatever it was. Right. Uh, no, great game. I, I got him for the walk-off interview. He's a nice guy. Uh, we haven't got a lot of chances to talk about him. And, you know, you, you, you talk about how, okay, how can a guy like Nico put his stamp on this roster and, and make his case to make a roster? Um, well, you saw it, right? Like that's the type of performance that's like, I still don't know if he's going to make the roster, right. but you know, he's going to give, make, make these coaches take a long look after that type of performance. Sure. Makes me, you know, go to Google. You start looking up anything you can about him. Fun fact about Nico LeBron James is a fan. <laughs> uh, he also uh, 10 years old, a Taekwondo black belt 10 at 10. Okay. He could kick Went my ass at 10 years old. Yeah. Don't, don't see a lot of Dartmouth guys in the NFL. Um, so he's smart that too. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Ivy leaguer. Anyway. Yeah. No, he was, he was on my list as well. Brian Brzee, obviously I think he had a solid game. I've been impressed with him. There's a, there, there were a handful of really nice performances. I thought Jake Hayner, although he didn't get in the end zone, had a nice bounce back game in terms of, you know, I, I thought his first drive of this game was very impressive. Unlike his first four drives of his debut. And then he kind of closed, ended it. Well, you know, it's not his fault that, that, yeah, we'll get into it, but uh, everyone just let him down in the end zone of that, that drive. Like he threw at least four touchdown passes that did not count as touchdowns. He also took a good um, shot to the head that game too. He did, he did, and he went off. Uh, he got checked out. He came back clean, so that's good, right? Like the, you, you worry about a small guy like that taking hits to the head. It was a dirty hit. I bet it gets fined. Quan Alexander's pulling a forty thousand dollars fine for the hit he made. Oh, that this was better get fined. Yeah, that was bad. I was talking to Deuce about this. I mean, these guys don't make that much in the preseason. Quan's not making that much. $43,000 for Quan Alexander. I mean, he's in debt now. <laughs> like, he's not making that much in the preseason. He's not, like, with that fine, he's not going to be able to pay it until, like, week two of the regular season. 
Like that's a significant amount. I'm hope there's some kind of appeal process in that, and that at least gets lowered. But it seems yeah. ridiculous at all that there's even a dollar amount attached to yeah, it. It's the second offense, I believe, and so that's why it's up there. But it'd be like you getting okay. like a six hundred dollar speeding ticket, right? <laughs> like, guys, let's be reasonable about this. Anyway, and I don't think it was even a bad hit ten years ago. That would have ended up on a jacked up segment. Hey, yeah, exactly, uh, and that's. Anyway. For whatever reason, uh, they decided to pick on Quan with that. Yeah, I didn't think there was anything, you know, malicious or anything wrong with his hit. And you're saying that's a second-time offense. Um, I'm curious what the first one was about. That said, it was probably with the Saints. That said, uh, the hit on Hayner was, I I mean, that's the type of hit that's like in the regular season, you're like, okay, let's let's dial it back. In the preseason, you're like, get out of here. What are you doing? Like who? What are you trying to prove here? Ear hole a guy in the preseason for no friggin' reason. Anyway, um, so good to see Jake's okay. He was able to get back in the game. Obviously, you know it, it is interesting how they it takes them like two or three plays to figure it out because uh, he didn't come out right away. <laughs> he threw a pass and then they and then they pulled him out. But he's healthy, so it's good. Yeah, and that that was something I was kind of curious about because. You didn't see, obviously, any signs that all of a sudden he was woozy or, you know, kind of out of it at all. But I guess the medical staff just wanted to take extra precaution because, you know, seeing the seeing it on film, I guess it looks a lot, you know, very violent and just check him out to be safe because yeah. he might not even know he's got a concussion. Who knows? No, and he wouldn't self-report it. Right. So they got no, exactly. to do that. I'm not coming out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I think that's that's it for me. Is there anyone else you wanted to highlight before we move on? No, definitely touched on uh, a, a lot of the guys I was thinking of. And definitely, like I said, the, the guy I'm anxious to see more of, and hopefully it happens in you know the coming practices and heading into the prese- uh, preseason finale is with Shaq Davis, just because it was, it made me kind of jump and get excited. And that, that's not, you know, doesn't happen much in the preseason. So if Jameis wants to put up those prayers uh, to, to Shaq, keep on doing them for me. Yeah, if you want to work on jump balls, Jameis is your guy. He's <laughs> yeah. going to give you a chance. Um, you know, maybe sometimes when he shouldn't, but he's going to do it. <laughs> now is the time. It's God's plan. It's God's plan. <laughs> but all right, that's going to wrap up that segment. We're going to come back. We're going to hit you with some three downs or three down players. Or it's actually more than that. It's kind of confusing, just like that game was. But we're going to get into it. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. This is Inside Black and Gold. Who that? Stick around. One more trip around the sun here on Inside Black and Gold. And in this one, we're going to get mean. Negative <laughs> Nancy we're, section. We're going to be big old jerks uh, oh. to the players who kind of stunk a little bit. Uh, so it's going to be three down. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Gell. If you haven't subscribed yet, do that. I'm going to be canceling my subscription to Brian Edwards. <laughs> I can't do it anymore. I can't do it. I can't do it. You know, the, the weird thing is I, he actually, I think, he's had a few solid practices in a row. He's been stacking some good days. But, man, when you get two offensive pass interference penalties in four plays, both of which wipe touchdowns off the board, and in between those, you dropped a pass in the corner of the end zone that should have been a touchdown. I mean, come on. Four targets, zero catches. 
a just series a of mis- uh, uh, yeah, definitely miss unfortunate events for him. Not good. Yeah, and I mean, like the, he's not the only one who had penalties, right? Like there was a lot of penalties in that game. We're getting more of that, but, when but you know, racing, it's like when you're racing six, that's definitely going to stand out a lot. Twice. Yeah, yeah, and and OPI, it's like you know, if, if you you can get called for penalties that are not necessarily your fault, right? Like if you're if you're just trying to make a play and you get your hand caught in someone's face mask, or you know, you panic and hold somebody, and it's not necessarily like something you could have prevented. It's just like, oh man, yeah, it happened. In this case, it's like like I kind of equate like pick plays, rub rub routes to like flopping in basketball, and like if you just have to be a good enough actor. Right. Like that's part of it. It's not about, you know, like the, the set, running a pick is illegal. All you have to do is make it look like you're running a route. Right. And so that's where it comes. And Dennis Allen said the ref told him that he didn't think that Brian was running an actual route on that second one. And it's like it's just, it's just that's you got to know how to do it. You got to do it right. And the first time you can be like, fine, you know, that stinks. But whatever. The second time it's like, Jesus, dude. Twice? Like, they literally just called it on you. You should be aware of what's happening. And it's just like, it, it's frustrating to watch. And, you know, my stock was already not that high on him to begin with. Right. But it's not getting, it's it's only getting lower. And, uh, you know, I don't think, it, they don't have to do those initial cuts anymore. Like, uh, this year, you're just doing all the, like, one big cut down to 53. If they were cutting down to 80 right now, uh, he would be on that list for me. Yeah, you look at the wide receiver room too, and we, we, you know, we're raving about guys like uh, you know Shaq Davis, At Perry, uh, John Trey Kirkland, even uh, Brian Edwards. You know, you're gonna you're gonna make these mishaps and cost your team points. Definitely, some of the you know the, the calls with the refs, I didn't agree with all the way in this game, obviously, but I think it's hard to argue Shaq's penalties in those situations. I mean, not Shaq. Right. I'm sorry. Right. Uh, Edwards. Yeah. It's just, I, you know, it can't get out of your own way. There's nothing I can do for you. I, it's just, it's hard to, it's hard to look at him and be like, oh yeah, he's got, I can see the upside, right? Like, it's just not there. Uh, I, and I don't need to be too mean because I'm going to be mean to this next guy too. And, you know, he's a guy who we talk about a lot and we just keep waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And I'm, you know, I, at a certain point, you just got to be like, okay, this is, is going to be a redshirt year. And that's Isaiah Foskey. Guy who it feels like you can see his confidence just like like it's like if it was a gas gauge, the needle would have broken off. Like what's happened to him? Yeah. Is he just didn't I mean, like he had chances to make plays in that game and it was like he he just I don't know. Like it didn't I don't know if he had the effort was there. It, there was one point where I'm pretty sure he was getting reamed out by Dennis Allen because he like he had a chance to make a tackle on Easton yeah. Stick and he just whiffed and it you know, it, I yeah, I, I'm not I'm not out on him, I'm not giving up on him. I think if you're calling a second round rookie a bust after two preseason games, you're doing it wrong. But it's hard to look at what he has done to this point and have any real optimism about expecting an impact from him in his rookie season. You know, if if guys get hurt and he gets thrown in there, maybe he surprises some people. But like he's not beating anybody out. He's not beating out Tano. Right. All right. He's not beating out Peyton or Carl. Uh, so I think this is just going to be a developmental year for him. Yeah, it's definitely been frustrating. And I even made a comment where I thought there was one decent 
uh, rush he had on the quarterback before, you know, uh, leading up to halftime. And then the the talking text line on the radio station, like, killed me for saying, what are you seeing? Are you, are you crazy with Foskey? There's just, it's frustrating. Obviously, a second round pick, it's a high draft capital. You've invested in this guy, but I'm not going to say bust either, but there's concerns of obviously about you're not seeing much of anything so far. And yeah, you, you just want to get, some kind of production you would figure out of a second round draft pick in year one, but it's 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 really not looking that case right now. Maybe something happens, uh, uh, that light goes off four or five games into the season, kind of thing. But I definitely would think he's more of a, a project that's going to be more need more time to develop before you just say, "Oh, he's just throw him to the turb." The Saints, you know, Saints wasted a pick. Yeah, it, it, he's a young player, right? You know, I think. You would have hoped to see him look a little more NFL ready than he has. But go look at what Cam Jordan did as a rookie, right? You know, it's it's different for everybody. And, you know, what DA did say he feels like he's progressing and maybe he is. And I, I'm not going to pretend that that I know everything there is to know about Isaiah. I have not seen it in either of these games. We have not seen a ton of it in practice. So, you know, hopefully he can start stacking those days. But yesterday was just not a good day for him. And I, I don't think we need to go in any more of it than that. Not, not, not to pile it on, but the problem is we haven't even seen it in, in pr- training camp practices, much less a game situation. No, no I, I I mean, I can't recall any time I've been like, oh, yeah, yeah, great play by Isaiah, right? Like, you know, maybe, yeah, one of the things the Saints really emphasize is playing the run, and maybe that's kind of gotten in his head a little bit and he's a little slower uh, in the pass rush game than, than you'd like him to be. I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. But stock definitely not up for him. The next player on my list is actually 13 of them (laughs) because that's how many players got flagged in that game. 13. You only had like 40 players active in that game. I don't even know if you had that many. (laughs) There was at least 15 players, maybe 20 that were not in uniform. It could have been even more than that. It was basically the entire starting offense and defense you had 13 players penalized in that game. And I'm going to go through them. These players had multiple penalties called on them. Storm Norton, mm. Lewis Kidd, Brian Edwards. Now, Storm Norton, I think, is only at fault for one of his penalties. He got called for a hold. Later in the game, he got called for a false start. But there's this point where the center causes his lineman to false start because he doesn't snap the ball when he's supposed to. And that's what happened there. So I like that should be Max Garcia. So you could really say 14 players who should have been flagged. That was that crazy play. There was also a play where uh, I can't remember who it was. It was an eligible downfield. Oh, it was Max Garcia who has a penalty. So it is still 13. But that was the play where there was four penalty flags on the field. And they just had to decide which one they wanted to enforce. <laughs> So those are the players with two. Then you had Lonnie Johnson with a face mask. Smoke Monday got called for a hold on a return. Isaac Yadam got called for defensive holding. Troy Pride got called for defensive pass interference. Tommy Kramer got called for offensive holding. Alex Pilstrom got called for offensive holding. Chuck Falonga, who I talked to yesterday, is a really nice guy, got called for a false start. Jack Heflin got called for defensive holding. Paulson Adebo got called for illegal use of hands that got declined. And then Max Garcia got called for an ineligible man downfield. And that got declined. 14 penalties, 141 penalty yards. Brutal. Now, you're trying to make a roster. You're trying to impress your coaches. 
that's not a good way to do it. And I mean, like you could say the starters aren't in there and I get it, but we saw the starters, like we saw a lot of penalties get fly at these joint practices. It's got to be something this coaching staff emphasizes. Well, well, the problem was too, even when, you know, we, we had preseason game number one, the penalties were an issue there too. So that's that's an unfortunate continuous trend that definitely can't continue on. We don't want that to be habit forming. We talked about the turn, you know, the takeaways being the positive side of that. I don't want seven, eight, nine penalties a game to be the norm for the Saints squad going into 2023. Yeah, I mean, you're going to get called for penalties. Like, it's going to happen. There's only so much you can do to avoid them. But this ain't it. Right. like <laughs> This can't be it. And uh, I got, I asked, I asked DA about, uh, you know, how you go about fixing that. And here's what he had to say. Yeah. You talk about cleaning up penalties. What, what are some of the things you do in, when it's kind of. Well, look, so the pre-snap penalties can't, can't happen. You know, that's just a total lack of focus. Um, and so that's got to get cleaned up. And then really you got to look at the tape and you got to, you got to determine from a technical standpoint, what could you have done better technique-wise to put yourself in a better position, you know, specifically on some of the holding calls. And look, from my vantage point, I, you know, I, I, I probably don't, I, I don't believe they were all holding, but they, the flag went down and they threw it. And so we got to look at it and see what we can do better. And just in terms of the OPI, that Edwards had two in a three-play span, is that just kind of a technique? Thing? I, yeah, yeah. Look, I, I think, um, you know, on that particular play, um, you know, he's kind of running a little slant route. The DB kind of jams him. So, um, you know, the official explained to me that he thought that he really wasn't, wasn't really running a route. And uh, so we'll look at the technique there. Um, but... All those are all those are teachable moments, and that's part of what the preseason's all about. I, I don't disagree with that. Like that's why you're playing these games. That's why you have these guys in there. But uh, it's got to be like there's got to be some accountability, right? Like that's where you are right now, and you're going to go over that film. And I think there's going to be a lot of yelling in that uh, in that meeting room today or tomorrow. It definitely seemed excessive this game, and. Uh, we were kind of joking. It's like, oh, the, it's those L.A. referees. They just hate New Orleans. <laughs> maybe that is it. Maybe. maybe. But I, mean, um, I, know, I know Hockey League was one of the, the the son, right? Was part of the crew. John. Right. Yeah, I think Ed um, is retired. <clears throat> I don't think he's a ref anymore. Um, but yeah, Sean Hockey League is not good. But all right, going one more down the list. This one's really unfair. It's I, I, I don't even kind of put it in a stock down situation. It's kind of more like, this is a player who I thought had a huge opportunity to put down a performance that if it didn't earn him a roster spot, had him in kind of the catbird seat. And as we talked about with Jimmy Graham, we don't know what his situation is going to be. Is there going to be a spot on the roster to be had if he's unable to play? Like we don't know right now. I don't think the team knows. I don't think Jimmy knows. I don't think the doctors know. And Lucas Kroll had a chance to have a huge game. He had a few nice plays early on. He sh- that athleticism is legit. The pass catching seems to be legit, but then he had multiple chances. He had one chance in the end zone on a great ball thrown by Jake Hayner. Those OPI calls don't happen if he just holds on to the ball. He had two hands on it, and all he had to do was not let it get raked out by a DB in the back of the end zone, and he was unable to do it. And that cost you seven points because you didn't score a touchdown on that drive. That ended up being three points, so it cost you four points, I should say. But like that was an opportunity for him to have a really big moment, 
Uh, he had another play later in the game that I think the same thing happened. He just had the ball raked out. Maybe it might have been earlier. I can't recall. But he had at least one more play where it's like, oh, that should have been a catch. And he just could not haul it in. And those are your moments, right? That's when, as a young player, as a fringe roster candidate, you have a chance to to make a lasting impression and to be like, this is this is why you want to keep me around because I can make plays like this. And he just didn't do it. And like, I don't want to say his stock is down because I don't, I mean, I think that he still did look good. He is an impressive young player. He's in his second year, so I'm not going to, say he's you know hopeless obviously like i still i I think he's a practice squad guy and he's kind of developing but i just i was very disappointed that he was unable to make those big plays no i totally know what you mean there because yeah the like you said it's not like oh you're really down on him but he had a chance to really pop and be on on the on the plus side of this on this equation and it it ends up being in the down category just because you know he had those a a few of those drops and he was targeted a lot yeah, eight targets, three catches, 30 yards, right. Like, I mean, you get, that's, that number's got to be higher. I mean, he led the team in targets by a fair number. I mean, Jack Davis, A.T. Perry, both had five. You got to be six eight. of eight there or something. Yeah, I mean, even if he's four of eight with that touchdown, I feel so much right, better about it. it. <laughs> yeah, like that's that's the frustrating thing because he's so athletic and he can move. And, you know, I, I know blocking is a big question for him, but – at a certain point, it's like if you're making enough plays, then we can live with the blocking, whatever it is. And uh, I just think he he didn't he didn't do himself any favors in this game. The only good thing with that too is Jeff is that maybe it kind of hides him a little more from other teams that are tight end needy, and maybe they don't really consider Lucas Kroll when they look at something like that, and then and don't know the whole story with him. That's possible. So <laughs> stock down. Yes. No. Don't look at him. Is a mirage. Uh, but yeah, that's it. That's all I had. Anyone else that you uh, you wanted to point to? No, you pointed uh, out for definitely me, one of the offensive linemen I thought that didn't live up to par besides the penalties was Storm Norton. Uh, just looked like he got worked over too much, although he, he did have a play where he kind of wiped out a DB, I believe, though. He's a big dude. He stormed during the storm. Yeah, but, but still, you know, down as a whole, I guess, too. Uh, stock down on the backup offensive line. Storming, storming. <laughs> we, I feel like there still needs, there's got to be somebody on the street that could even help this group. I don't know. That is a good question. But the good news is it's the backups. Uh, Calvin Throckmorton left with a with a rib injury, so right. you know that's, you know you're already kind of questioning that depth. And the one guy that you kind of feel like you you know pretty well is uh, now dealing with an injury. So yeah, it's a uh, uh, that that's 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 a group on this team that. If the health goes away, it could go sideways, I think. Huge concern for sure. Definitely the when you look at depth, the weakest. But I think a lot of people talk about depth at offensive line being pretty, you know, subpar around the NFL. It's not easy having, you know, those big boys that can come in and just fill those holes easily. I agree. But all right, I think that's going to wrap it up for us on this here episode of Inside Black and Gold. We're two preseason games in. We have one to go. No joint practices. They're going to face the Houston Texans on Sunday. I think this is going to be the week that I finally make good on that promise to update my roster projection. And because I think the next episode this week will be kind of figuring out who are the three or four players that might be able to secure a roster spot in that game. Because, you know, that's this is where we're at right now. It's like you have you have a 90 man roster and maybe three guys on that roster can win a job. Even like 
guys like Taylor, Alante Taylor, and Paulson Adebo, like they're both on the roster. It's just a question of who starts. Right, where but, they fit in the puzzle, but they're definitely in the puzzle. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's, that's kind of what we'll look at in the next episode of this week. Saints are back at practice tomorrow, so that we'll probably post that episode on Thursday or Friday. But thanks, everyone, for listening. I know we're a little delayed on this. Uh, road games are going to be tough this year in terms of the post game, but we'll always get something to you. Uh, thanks, Steve, for being adjustable. I am tired. Long flight today and... And kind of getting back into the flow of things. The dog is excited. I'm home. So that's always nice. Um, I'm just yeah. glad we're not like trying to push any kind of narrative or content and trying to come up with topics. We got football to talk about players, you know, you know, position battles going on and, you know, pretty soon regular season action. Uh, I'm loving this and, and can talk all we want right now because yeah, this is the fun time of year, even though they're, long days and yeah we're in the end we are just watching football and talking about it speak for yourself i'm always trying to push a narrative (laughs) and that narrative is pie is bad i thought you're gonna say the narrative is you must like subscribe and that's true i mean that's just a fact but yeah pie is stupid eat a cake or go away i make a pretty good pudding pie i'll have to i'll have to whip one up i don't want it it's really good though I, that's I, that's not that goes against my narrative, Steve. I'll just call it pudding cake then and give it to you. Hey, okay, let's do it. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, that fits. All right, thanks y'all for listening. This is Inside Black Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. Who dat? Go Saints. Peace out. One more preseason game to go. Let's do it. <laughs>